The word home can mean different things to different people. To most of us, the word inspires warmth, safety, and sweet memories. And to others, well, they don't know the meaning of the word. Just like the woman in today's story. Let's jump in. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast, where we share the gospel of Jesus Christ through the art form of audio drama. Yes, and that includes sound effects. And just a heads up, this episode may contain some content that's not suitable for our younger listeners. I'm Timothy Gregory, bringing you the story of a woman whose unstable home trained her to build the same instability for herself. She hopped from place to place growing up, but we'll see where she finally landed on today's Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast. Also, you'll want to stick around because later we are going to give the rest of you an opportunity to enter yet another sweepstakes drawing for a prize. No, it's not a cash prize, but it is a prize, and I think it's a prize that you are really going to like if we draw your name. But first, let's get to it, folks. The story of Michelle Morales. I'm in the hospital. I saw the ambulance take you away. Are you coming home now? I uh, c can't take care of you anymore, Michelle. You'll have to move out. What? Why me? What about the others? They're old enough to take care of themselves. Where am I supposed to go, Mom? A lady named Pat will keep you. Your sisters will take you there. I don't want to go away, Mom. Please let me stay here. I'll be good. No, you have to go. This is Unshackled, true life stories of real people produced in Chicago by Pacific Garden Mission. Homeless people trampled by the world often hide so others can't see them. But when they come to Pacific Garden Mission, they gain not only shelter, a place to sleep and refresh, but they gain confidence. Thanks to caring friends who send financial gifts, the mission offers fresh clothing and nourishing meals. Pastors and counselors help them place their confidence in one greater than their need. The change in them is obvious. As a recent visitor wrote, I like to see that former homeless people are now guiding tours and growing in the Lord. That same message of hope goes out to the world through this program. Now for broadcast around the earth, here is episode number 3743 in the series Unshackled the program that makes you face yourself and think. I don't want to go, Anna. You'll be okay, Michelle. Aunt Pat will be good to you. You'll see. It's easy for you to say. You're staying here. Mom won't change her mind, so you have to go. Come on, finish packing your things. I want to stay home. It's only temporary, Michelle. Everything will be okay. Just... Give mom some time to get her act together. Please. It's okay, Michelle. I love you. The woman in our story was barely 11 years old when this traumatic event shattered her life. Parental guidance is suggested due to the subject matters contained in this true testimony of Michelle Morales, right now on Unshackled. I was the youngest of four siblings, born in Chicago. 
Mom was a waitress and bartender, which is how she met my father and other boyfriends she had after Dad was killed when I was six. A year after Dad's death, my 14-year-old sister Anna was abused and agreed to testify in court. The night before the hearing, the boys involved threw a pipe bomb into our back window, setting the house on fire. We lost everything and had to be separated. Oh, Tina, I hate this shelter. I'm so tired of wearing the same thing day after day. Me too. But at least we're alive, Anna. Those boys are still out there, threatening everyone. Yeah, no one will testify against them now. Mom said they even threatened the neighbor that took Michelle in while we're here. At least Michelle is in a home for a while. I hope we don't have to stay here much longer. Mom's trying to save money to rent an apartment. <laughs> Far from those boys, I hope. My family lived in that shelter for a year, until Mom got an apartment. A few years passed with Mom working three jobs to feed four children. Then she got a new boyfriend who introduced her to hardcore drugs. Soon she was hooked on heroin. I was 11 when she tried to commit suicide. It's when she called me from the hospital and told me to go live with a woman I called Aunt Pat. I hated being there. A few months later, my oldest sister and her boyfriend rented a room across from me in the attic. You want to come over and watch TV with me? Sure. Uh, don't tell Aunt Pat. Don't worry. I don't talk to her unless I have to. It's always so cold up here. Wear more sweaters. I don't have any more. Wish I could go home. You don't want to go home. Mom is so messed up on drugs, she can't take care of you, Michelle. I wish Daddy was still alive. Do you even remember him? I think so. You were only six. I remember Mom said he had a temper, and he got into fights. Yeah. He owned a tire shop and got into a fight with a man who came back with a gun and shot him. Did the man go to prison? Yeah, 20 years. I feel like I'm in prison. I know they don't want me here. I started stealing cigarettes from Aunt Pat while she was sleeping. I thought smoking would make me feel better, but it didn't. After a year, Aunt Pat decided to move and I needed a new home. Mom still couldn't take me, but Anna was now married, so she took me in. Something her husband Joe didn't like, and it often caused conflict. Try not to make him mad when he gets home, Michelle. I do try, Anna, but he blows up over nothing. He has a bad temper. What's going on? <laughs> nothing. What's she doing in the kitchen? Eating all the food, I'll bet. Go on, get out of here, Michelle! Let her be! She's helping me! I give the orders around here, understand? I felt like a slave, taking care of their dogs and my two nephews, doing the dishes and the laundry, but he still treated me badly. Every time they fought, Joe took it out on me. Once, he cut up my boots with a knife. One night, he came home drunk and hurt my sister's arm. We left for the hospital. The police station is only a few blocks away. You told Joe we were going to the hospital. We are, but I don't have money for a cab. The police will take us there. Does it hurt a lot? Yeah, I think it's broken. How can he do that to you? He didn't mean it. He's not himself when he's drinking. <laughs> Michelle, if the police ask, tell them I slept in the bathtub, okay? A couple of years passed and their marriage didn't get better. My sister and her husband got into a huge fight, and once again, 
Joe blamed me. It's all her fault. Get her out of here. What are you saying? I want her out. Is that clear? Where can she go? That's not my problem. Go on, pack your bags. I don't want you here anymore. To the street? I'll drop you off at your mother's. Mom and her boyfriend lived in a hotel room, so I slept on the floor. I was in seventh grade, and this arrangement lasted until I was in the eighth grade. I was ashamed of how we lived. So when my friend's parents drove me home, I would have them drop me at a nearby house, and then I'd walk to the hotel. Finally, Mom and her boyfriend got an apartment. I was 15 and in high school when I met Rudy, who was a year older than I. How come you won't let me know where you live? How come we always have to meet at your friend's house or here in the park? I like the park. I like the park too, but you must live somewhere, Michelle. You don't even let me take you home. How come? I don't want to talk about it. Why not? I just don't. I think you're hiding something, Michelle. We've been dating for six months now. I think I deserve to know where you live. You know I love you, Rudy. Prove it. I finally let him take me home. It wasn't long after that I discovered I was pregnant. I was 16, and he was 17. We can't afford to have a baby, Michelle. For sure. Mom might kick me out. My parents would hit the roof, too. What are we going to do? You know what you have to do. I don't know where to start. Look in the yellow pages. I don't have any money, Rudy. I'll scrape some together. I'm scared. It'll be all right. Okay. I'll let you know how much it costs. And don't tell anyone. Somehow, Rudy got the money together. And I went alone on a bus to and from the clinic. I was terrified. And I felt like a part of me died with my baby. When I got home, Rudy was there with flowers and a shirt that said, Rudy loves Michelle. He was trying to make me feel better. But all I felt was overwhelming sadness in what I'd done. I often had nightmares. A year later, I was pregnant again. Folks, we'll get back to Michelle's story in just a moment. But first, I want to share a bit about how our ministry is able to bring hope to people all over the world. Unshackled is now in its 71st year of spreading the good news through powerful stories about real people. Our success is a result of God's blessing and the involvement of, well, supporters like you. When you contribute to Unshackled, it has a direct impact. Your support allows us to hire quality writers, talented actors, as you can hear, a skilled production team, and a devoted staff. Through your support, we're able to share Unshackled worldwide. So, in order to continue the work of spreading the gospel and allowing us to offer this program for free, won't you consider making a donation to Unshackled? It's really quite easy. All you need to do is click on the live link, if there's one where you're listening, or visit our podcast website at unshackledpodcast.org. That's unshackledpodcast.org. And then click the donate button. Or you can always write a check. Unshackled, we take checks. You mail that check to... 1458 South Canal Street, Chicago, Illinois, 60607. We thank you for your partnership in our ministry. And now, back to the true story of Michelle Morales. I was 17 and pregnant again. So I went to a free clinic for a pregnancy test. 
and watched a video that convinced me that I couldn't have another abortion. I knew Rudy would be upset, so I asked him to meet me at a restaurant. How did it go? I decided not to go through with it, Rudy. I'm gonna keep the baby. You're kidding. No, I'm not. We can't have a baby, Michelle. My parents will kick me out. Keep your voice down. I watched a video of an abortion and it was awful. I didn't realize how terrible it really was. I can't do it, Rudy. We're too young to be parents. I can't help that. I can't believe you're doing this to me. There are side effects from abortions, Rudy. Yeah, like what? I might not be able to have children when I'm older. I don't want to take that chance. You've got to reconsider, Michelle. There's no way I'm having another abortion. Our parents were very upset. Rudy had to leave home, so he moved in with us and got a job. At the time, mom and her boyfriend were drug dealers, and strangers constantly flowed through the apartment. My sisters were often concerned. Hello. Michelle, how are you doing? Okay. I'm really starting to show. I would think so. You're in your seventh month now. It's so hard to live here, Tina. People are in the bathroom at two in the morning shooting up drugs. All kinds of men and women. They're so creepy. Are you serious? Yes. This one woman comes in with a tiny baby that she props up on the couch with a pillow to hold its bottle. Well, she goes into the bathroom to get her fix. Oh, that's terrible. I can't believe she leaves her little baby alone like that. I don't know how I can take it anymore. All right. Pack your bags. You can live with me. You mean it? Yes. What about Rudy? He can find somewhere else to live. Rudy moved into a hotel, and my sister gave me until my 18th birthday to decide what I wanted to do about the baby. On my birthday, she and a friend, Bill, took me to dinner. What have you and Rudy decided, Michelle? We're gonna give the baby up for adoption when it's born. Why? Because we're so young, and I have to finish my senior year. Give that baby up and you'll regret it the rest of your life. I agree. You'll always wonder what he looks like, where he is, if he's doing all right. Keep the baby, Michelle. We can't afford to keep the baby. We don't even have an apartment. We can't keep living with other people. Tell you what. Keep the baby. And I'll set you guys up with an apartment. I'll pay you the first month's rent. And then you can decide from there. So, when I was eight months pregnant, Rudy and I set up housekeeping together. The free clinic I had gone to gave me a crib, and our daughter was born a month later. It was hard at first, because we didn't know anything about parenting. We loved our daughter, and it got better. Rudy's family began to visit, bringing furniture and other items. Everyone was happy that we had kept our daughter. I finished high school, got my driver's license, and a job as a nursing assistant in a hospital. Rudy got a steady job too, but we had no control over our emotions and lusts. So in a couple of years, we had major problems. What kind of problems? All we do is fight. Is he still using cocaine? Tina, it's worse than ever. Rudy stays out all night with his friends and then I do the same just to get even and we fight about it. It's a vicious cycle. Gets old, doesn't it? I'm sick of it. That's why I finally got a divorce. Maybe I should leave Rudy. Why don't you come live with me? Sure. I love it. 
I was 22 when I left Rudy to live with my sister. After a while though, Rudy and I started dating again, and then he moved in with us. Meanwhile, Anna's life was equally messed up, her house in disarray. Like mom, we all used drugs. Anna started searching for a way to change. And one day she called Tina and me. Hello? Michelle, I have the best news for you guys. You won the lottery. Better than that. I'm born again. I received Jesus Christ as my savior. I'm God's child. And he's given me the power to stop doing drugs. Really? Yeah. You ought to go to church with me sometime. I don't think so, Anna. Please? Michelle, Jesus will change everything. For the better. I'm happy for you, but that's not for me. You really needed a change, but I'm fine on my own. I thought I had it all together. But then Rudy and I began staying out all night, and the cycle continued. From time to time, Anna called to check on us and to tell us more about Jesus. I'm learning so much, Michelle. Jesus died for our sins. All of them. You have a Bible, don't you? There's one here somewhere. That big one, remember? Find it and look up these verses, okay? Write them down. Okay. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. How do you spell Ephesians? <laughs> E-P-H-E-S-I-A-N-S. Okay. Romans chapter 3, verse 23. Got it. John chapter 3, verse 16. I could see that Anna had changed, and I wondered if she was right about it all. So, when everyone else was asleep, got a flashlight, found that Bible in the closet, dusted it off, and read. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. I didn't understand at all. But I felt different after reading the Bible. Finally, I hit rock bottom. I had no control over anything in my life. Rudy stayed out all night most of the time, and I was hooked on cocaine with no way of escape. I lay on the bathroom floor, crying out for help. In my distress, I thought of Anna, got up and called to see if I could drop by to talk. She was thrilled. I'm so glad you called, Michelle. Goodness, this place looks different. I cleaned it up. Or better yet, Jesus cleaned it up. No more mess, no more druggies. I wish my life were this calm and peaceful. You need to give your life to the Lord, Michelle. Maybe so. Why don't you come to church with me? I'll think about it. Your birthday's coming up. What would you like? Oh, I don't really need anything. Just for you and Tina to go to church with me. That would be the best gift of all. Maybe Rudy will want to come too. Rudy wouldn't hear of it. But Tina and I decided to go to church with Anna 
as our birthday gift. The pastor's words seemed to be aimed right at me, and I wondered how he knew about the emptiness in my heart. Though I wasn't ready to surrender my life to Jesus, Tina and I drove home talking about the sermon. Do you remember going to church when we were kids? I remember a few times when we lived in Hammond, Indiana. Yeah, before Mom got hooked on drugs. Mom had a hard life, too. I know. I wish we had learned about the Lord earlier. It would have helped us. Maybe so. I believe what that preacher said, Michelle. I believe that Jesus died for my sins. Maybe he did. But I'm not ready to give my life to him yet. I am. I don't want to live in sin anymore. I want to be changed, like Anna. That preacher said we all sin. But after you receive Jesus as your savior, you shouldn't keep on sinning. That can't be right. I don't know. I'm gonna throw away all my drugs and paraphernalia when I get home. You really mean that? I sure do. Drugs have ruined our family. Look at all the problems we've had. Sometimes I think I can't live without drugs. We have to. Let's find a church that's closer to where we live and go there. We need to go every week. My sister kept her word and threw away her drugs. But I held on to mine and my misery. A few weeks later, Anna invited me to go to church again with her. As I listened to the sermon, my heart soaked up the gospel. Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. There is no other way, no other provision for sin, because God says the wages of sin is death. Your sin earns you death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You don't earn salvation, it's a gift. Without Christ, you are spiritually dead in your sins. So he sent Jesus, his only son, to pay the penalty for us. The Bible says, herein is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. In John chapter 5, verse 24, the Lord Jesus said, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but it is passed from death unto life. Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. Come forward now in repentance of your sins and ask Jesus to forgive your sins. He wants to save you. If you come to him as a child, willing to obey God's word, I went to the altar that night and poured out my sins to Jesus. I placed my trust in Christ for salvation and for my eternal destiny. I felt his presence and knew my sins were forgiven. Tina and I found a church closer to us and our first service was Good Friday. The next night, I quit smoking cigarettes and never smoked again. Rudy wasn't pleased by the changes in me, but I was. The next thing to go was drugs. I had a little stash that Tina helped me throw in the trash. Are you nuts? You could have given it to me. You need to quit using drugs too, Rudy. I'll live my own life. 
You live yours. Jesus can take away the desire to use drugs. I don't care about a guy who died a long time ago. No matter how long ago it was, the preacher said that his death was God's requirement for the sins of all men. He died and he rose from the dead. He lives. I'm sure, because the Bible says so and I know him now. Rudy, I'm praying for you. I want you to be saved so that we can be a real family. You've gone off the deep end, Michelle. A few weeks later, I discovered I was pregnant. Our daughter was six years old by then. I wanted to get married because I realized we were living in sin, and I thought marriage would make it right. Our new church sponsored a carnival for inner city kids, and I worked in a booth with another man. I talked to him about Rudy, but his advice was very disappointing. Then I spoke with the pastor. So, you want to get married? Yes. We already have one daughter, but my boyfriend and I have not married. Now that I know the Lord, I realize we're living in sin. You are right, Michelle. I was talking to John at the carnival, and he told me I shouldn't marry Rudy because he's not a Christian. I couldn't believe he said that. Rudy isn't saved? No. I keep asking him to go to church with me, but he's not interested. He said religion isn't for him. John's right, Michelle. God tells us not to be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Given that, you shouldn't marry Rudy. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. Go home and read it for yourself. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? You reading that Bible again? Rudy, I told you that we shouldn't be living together because we're not married. So? And now I realize we shouldn't even get married because you don't believe in Jesus. What? You'll have to move out. Do you really mean that? I don't have a choice. I wish it was different. There is no glamour in being an unwed mother. No one condemned me. It was a test of my faith to faithfully attend church throughout my pregnancy. Tina got married, so I needed a place to live. My mentor introduced me to a single mom, and I moved in with her. I continued to work and faithfully follow the Lord. Anna attended the same church, and then one day, when we were on the phone, Michelle, there's a great guy in church I'd like you to meet. He's a single parent, too. Yeah? Did you tell him I have two daughters? <laughs> yep, and he has a son. He'd be perfect for you. <laughs> Anna the matchmaker. <laughs> Why not? I'll even babysit while you two go out and get to know each other. Louie and I hit it off right away. We married the following June. We've been married nine years now, and I've been saved for 13 years. God gave us two more sons. We have a family of five. My sister, Anna, who brought us together, died last year on her birthday. But I will see her again in heaven. I cling to God's promises in the Bible and pray that my testimony will bring others to him. According to 1 John chapter 5, verses 11 and 12, And this is the record, 
that God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. Listening friend, eternal life begins when you turn to the living God, asking his forgiveness, asking him to save you, because you believe Christ died for your sins. Won't you do so now? If you need help in making this crucial decision, get in touch with Pacific Garden Mission, 1458 South Canal Street, Chicago, Illinois, 60607. Now, we love hearing from our listeners here on the Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast, so send us your questions and we'll answer them here. It can be something you're curious about or just something you want to share with us. All you have to do is write us at podcast at unshackled.org or call and leave us a message at 312-281-1264. We'd love to hear from you. Now, before we get to our sweepstakes drawing info, I just want to remind you to subscribe or like our Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast. You can even share it or tell a friend. We'd also love for you to review or rate our podcast and don't forget to check out our other podcasts on this same platform, Unshackled Daily Devotionals and Unshackled in Person. We appreciate your input and involvement in our ministry. And again, please consider supporting us so we can freely offer quality Christian programming to the world. All right, the prize for this sweepstakes contest is another beautiful wooden scripture plaque. The verse on this one is Psalm 51.10, which says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. This is a gorgeous little thing, especially if you're looking for daily inspiration from Scripture. You will love this authentic wooden plaque. The plaque has been sawn from a tree branch or log and cut in such a way as to retain as much of the bark around the perimeter as possible. If you'd like a peek at this scripture plaque, you're welcome to visit our podcast website, unshackledpodcast.org, and stop by the audio drama page for the picture. Now, unfortunately, folks, we are only able to mail this plaque to locations within the United States, so our drawing is limited to U.S. addresses. But if you reside in the U.S., all you have to do to enter our sweepstakes drawing is call 312-281-1264 or email podcast at unshackled.org and give us your name, phone number, and email. That's your name, phone number, and email. The winner of the sweepstakes for this beautiful scripture plaque will be announced December 19th, but the deadline for entry is December 3rd. That's December 3rd as the deadline for entry. We look forward to hearing from you. And next time... I'm alone. In the night, in the dark, I'm sitting on a cold, hard park bench, talking to myself. As she sat on a cold park bench in the dark of night, Christina Manalia decided to take her life. So it all comes to this, my last day. I'm getting off this train, and this is my ticket. This is the true story of a young and bright woman but at a time when everything she had was ripped away from her. No car, no job, no food, no home, no love. And worse than all of that, no hope. 
and that's when she discovered someone who changed her life forever. What is that up there? Something... <gasps> I can see now. Don't miss her remarkable true story of Christina Minalia, coming soon on Unshackled. Heard in the true story of Michelle Morales were Angela Morris, Alison Voller, Amanda Markeski, Brian Plaharchik, Demetrius Troy, and Mark Forrest. Original music, Don Bador. Sound effects, Demetrius Troy. Sound assistant, Martin Robinson. Recording engineer, David Pierczynski. Audio engineer, Michael Kahn. Script, Kenitha Gabler. That's it for this week's Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast. So until next time, unless our Lord returns before then, I'm Timothy Gregory, your brother in Christ.